FYI CBD. FYI CBD, a non-psychoactive supplement that promotes health and wellness. FYI CBD. Boardroom 20 for 20% off. Guess what? I'm going to the Monkey Surf Resort in the Talos Islands in Indonesia this season. I'm very excited, and you should check it out too. I'm going to the Monkeys Resort, monkeysresort.com. Me and just seven other buddies are going to share a surf island paradise for 12 days. Check it out, monkeysresort.com. If you live in San Diego, you've got to check out Ranch 45 for your post-surf breakfast or lunch. Right off of Via de la Valle, across from the racetrack, Ranch 45, it's my go-to place for post-surf breakfast and or lunch. Check out their menu, ranch45.com. And coming up soon, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks, May 2nd and 3rd at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. We're honoring Pat Rawson in the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Masters Shaping Competition. We'll have a very private dinner with Pat Rawson and Tom Carroll. And eight lucky people will be allowed to partake in that. Three-course meal, music, wine and beer, and great conversation with Pat Rawson and Tom Carroll. In addition, we've got the boardroom talks, computational fluid dynamics with Ricardo Rossi, Aku Shaper is going to be giving lessons to hobbyists on how to build a board using their CAD software. My friend Taylor from Siggy Surfboards is going to be there with Ben, and they're making a film. They're going to be talking about that. And, of course, Tom and Pat and friends are going to have a chat as well. That's the Boardroom Talks during the Boardroom International Surfboard Show. And, oh, by the way, a hall filled with state-of-the-art surfboards by the surfboard building manufacturing industry. Tons of shapers, surfboards, wetsuits, gear, all under one roof. It's the must-attend event of the season. In addition, Douglas Surf Products is presenting a How It's Made demonstration slash exhibit. And they're going to be taking the entire surfboard build process all the way through to glossing and polishing. Each and every step of the board build process will be in this exhibition. And they're going to be giving away at least two of these boards, perhaps more, to lucky surfers that attend the show. And, of course, we've got a lot of other stuff going on as well. Live music, the surf swap. It's just a great event. You're going to want to check it out. May 2nd and 3rd, the Boardroom International Surfboard Show, presented by U.S. Blanks, boardroomshow.com. And finally, before we get to the podcast, let me tell you, the California Gold Surf Auction has 60-plus culturally and historically significant surfboards and ephemera on the auction block under the auction gavel. Bidding begins April 18th. Lots close May 3rd at noon, and you can bid from anywhere in the world using our app or using the website. For more information, visit CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com. Some people have an internal fire that burns very hot, a powerful drive. These people oftentimes seem to will situations without malice or negative impact into aligning themselves with the desired outcome. They somehow set into motion a train of circumstances 
that more often than not result in good things for many people. My wife often says that a properly controlled fire is a good thing. Because if you keep the fire lit, you can use the fire forever. Our guest today has that same fire. He's a go-getter. He's driven to succeed in large part because of the journey, not just the outcome. And he's a tremendously nice human being. The Boardroom Podcast with Louis Hayward. Let us begin. All right. That is for you. That is an <laughs> oolong tea, a reserve one of milk my favorite. oolong. I think you'll enjoy that. Thank you. Most people that sit in that seat oh, nice. drink that tea. It's sort of a an oolong tea podcast, really. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, if you can speak kind yeah, of close. So, of course. Louis Hayward, welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it. So, tell me... Um, what was the last gift that you gave somebody, a meaningful gift that you gave to somebody? Meaningful gift? Well, most recently, I don't know if you call it a gift, but uh, in regard to surf products, you're just anything. I Just in life. Like, I'd, say, I'd say yesterday, my uh, stepfather-in-law was passing away. Oh, my gosh. Step, yeah, stage four pancreatic cancer. And so weak now, he can't... Uh, can't bathe and no longer shave so um i was able to uh shave him you know and give him a sponge bath and uh wash his hair and uh he considered a really special gift and that'll go on till he passes so that's something that um my wife debbie and i are really uh, big on is just taking care of people that's really a great gift good for you guys and i'm sorry to hear about your stepfather yeah my stepfather that's too bad but Life cycle of life, but it sounds like a horrible way to to move through it. It's pretty. Uh, it's an interesting disease. Yeah, you know. So it's uh, heartbreaking. At the same time, he's content, and uh, he's out of nursing carries with us. So it's uh, he's smiles every day. Okay, well that's good. As long as he's somewhat pain free, I guess. Yeah. So far, so good. You know. Well, I don't want to say so good, but yeah, he's happy and content. Yeah. Well. I was trying, I was thinking back to when you and I first met and I'm, I, my memory might not serve me well, but I want to say it was at Surf Summit in Cabo. I think you're right. But um, that's, we're talking early 2000s. Yeah. I was there with Surfer Magazine. I think you were obviously there with INT's surfboards, yep. softboards. And, and again, I think this is correct, but we went down, do you have a little, you had a little scene down there past Distilladeros or somewhere where we would all kind of hang out and surf together that's correct yeah yeah we well, camp out down there and, yeah um started out as a little camp six or seven people and it kind of just blossomed into this uh before the uh conference people come out early and hang out and surf and um, when i was doing int i started that in 2000 that is actually when you and i first started we met up yeah and uh eventually it turned into this huge deal and we started having contests to slosh about actually was what it was it was a couple shots or a beer before your heat. Last man standing, pretty much. I could ride a board to shore. Uh, anything went. Softboards were just the perfect board to ride out there. And yeah, yeah that was, I think, the time we, we, you and I met. So for the listeners that don't know, um, Louis 
is the founder of INT Softboards. And so I think it's important that we kind of go back there and talk a little bit about your how you started INT, what led to it. I mean, it's kind of a fascinating thing, right? Because I, why don't you tell me? How sure. did INT start? What were the... Well, um, for I even backtrack a little more. In the mid-90s, I had worked for a company which is no longer around. It's EOS, Earth and Ocean Sports, kind of a parent company to several brands, track top, liquid force wakeboards, BZ bodyboards, a few other brands. And I was exposed to, you know, surf traction accessories. At the same time, the facility manufactured not just board bags and leashes, but also uh, soft surfboards and bodyboards. And so that was my first exposure to the soft bodyboard, soft surfboard world. And uh, prior to that, I've been in, in the surf industry, very fortunate since the 80s, working for a hardboard you know, hardboard I go by, but uh, typical surfboard manufacturers, yeah. Gary Linden, John Takayama, JC Hawaii. Um, but at that time, when I was introduced to uh, the bodyboard and soft surfboard um, product, I just felt it wasn't exactly what I would ride. Um, and I was a, I'm a surfer, but my son at the time, I had two boys, they're very young, taught my oldest on a hardboard, bodyboard actually, to be, and then hardboard, and then uh I try to teach them on a soft surfboard, and it's difficult, you know. So I kind of just would talk to the plant manager and the designers and say, hey, you guys should make these a little maybe more rideable. And when I was – it was pushed back on me as to why. And I said because as a surfer, it was hard for me to actually get up and ride these things. Um, most – more importantly, the, the rail line is just would track, had this continuous edge. And, and once you get that little – edge caught you, you kind of start windmilling your arms trying to pull that edge out and you just kind of fall over and so i try to help them but i the response i got and um was more often than not that they're back ordered always and at the time sports chalet you had your big box kind of you know uh sporting goods stores then you had your core surf shops and rentals were obviously a great money maker but they're back ordered and i remember i put that in the back of my mind that maybe one day i'll mess around with you know some softboards you know but it was about it. I was more focused on surf accessories. Yeah. Fast forward to 2000. Um, I had launched prior to that a sandal company, Ocean Minded, with mm-hmm. the old friend Gary Ward. Yeah. I was exposed to more different materials like the EVA rubbers that are used in it. I designed a surf traction sandal uh, that led to INT sandals. I launched that in 2000. Um, so and- INT was a sandal company before a and- surfboard company. Actually, yeah, you're right. I, actually, prior to that, it was an in, in-transit warehouse distribution company was something that I launched to uh, fulfill a need. My first thing was coming up in a surfboard industry and manufacturing facilities, understanding um, fulfillment, you know, knowing what a process it was to box these big surfboards, you know, and the rates that you had that you were up against, um, not only shipping them, you know, storing them, you know. So I felt, you know, when I launched my warehouse business, I launched that out of uh, what I felt there was a need for in our industry, you know, and our industry meaning the surf industry. So I figured if I could loop together enough surfboard business, and Oceanside, there's a ton of them, and that I could leverage that with freight companies, get a lower rate, and also all my supplies, and I could pass that on to our board builders, which, you know, it's a very limited on margins, you know, and thin margins. And so I launched uh, In Transit Warehouse, and it was... Is that what INT stands for, obviously? That's where I shortened it. I did. I, in Transit. In Transit. Um, yeah, I launched In Transit. I, I felt the name was – I liked it. It was in movement. Yeah. Um, 
But there's something I remember in a conversation. It was with my old partner, Gary, talking about Fernando and Santiago at Reef. Something about these, you know, their four-letter word, shortening, you know, something, you know, you hit the lip and you got a quick second to see a logo or, you know, something drive by. Mm-hmm. In transit, so long, you know. Yeah. It's like, can they make out what it is, you know. So I just shortened it to INT. Yeah. Um, but that happened right around, I launched my Sentinel brand. So I had a third-party fulfillment facility. Inside it, I kept about 1,000 square feet to tinker around and have my overhead covered, and I can design and develop whatever, you know, and, and it would help offset my overhead. And um, I launched my sandal brand, and that was going incredible. It was the traction sandal. And then we had 9-11, and I was very fortunate. I didn't have anyone that I lost during that time. It was a sad time for our entire nation and for the world, that for that matter, but I, uh, everything just came to a screeching halt, you know, and yeah. – uh, at the same time that that was happening, I was messing around with surfboard foam, polyethylene to be exact, the way uh, BZ made their bodyboards, and Zabad and, and Doyle. Those really were the only three brands at that time. Yeah. And a friend of mine, Mike, was running Doyle around the corner, and he worked for the city of Carlsbad as well, and he shared with me something similar. It was that uh, he was backordered every season, yeah. like a ton. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you guys are producing 10 to 12 boards a day. BZ's running two shifts, and granted, they're making bodyboards as well, which yeah. was actually had a tour at the time. Um, and I thought, you know, I'll mess around with these things and see if I can make something pretty cool. And there's a, a friend of mine, Ben Way, who I give credit to on the 411 Blackball Beater. And uh, that's another story, you know, but Ben's a creative guy. Well, I think the Blackball Beater is really, I mean, it wasn't that sort of like the... That was sort of like the product that really kick-started INT softboards, right? It really was. So obviously the black bar beater, maybe just give me some insight. I mean, the, the obvious thing is that but people might not know that there's a thing called a black ball in Southern California. So maybe sure. just for the listeners to know, the lifeguards would shut down the beaches at like 9 a.m. when they would come on duty and you couldn't surf there. You could only swim there unless you had a certain size board. It had to be a board and it had to be soft and it had to be under five feet. That's, and so this yeah. is how the black ball beater came into existence. You created a 411, or Ben helped you create. Well, Ben was writing – yeah, you're, you're right, Scott. I, I remember heading down to the beach one day, and I saw Ben with this really pretty crude-looking thing. And I, I think it was like – I want to say half fiberglass, half bodyboard. I mean he was a creative guy, and um, I was asking Ben, what is that thing? You know? And he's like, oh, it's, uh, I can go and surf the no-surf zones, and lifeguards don't hassle me. And, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, I mean – I go, they don't ask you for a board with fins, you know? And he's like, no, it has to be under a certain size. And I said, well, that's pretty cool. Why don't you sell those things? He goes, no, nah, you know, he's just on his own thing. He goes, you do it, Lou. And I'm like, no, nah, I was onto something else at the time. And so I kind of took that to heart, and I thought it was kind of funny, you know, because in the summertime growing up at Surfing Buccaneer and Oceanside, we always battled the lifeguards. Exactly. Always. It's and like, we did too and mm-hmm. up and down the coast. And listeners should know that in the summertime when south swells hit the beach break lefts are incredible and you sit there and you tear your hair out because you're looking at perfect waves and the lifeguards won't let you surf them exactly it's like and that's been a a big thing i mean you know hats off to the lifeguards for doing their jobs you know uh, but there was a a, a rivalry it was like a battle that was constant because you know you got a good south swell you're going to take out your bodyboard because there's you know a lot of tourists and people that maybe swimmers and stuff but you see these perfect just bowls coming in you know and you just want to get out there and just get barreled and you know and you, and when you go surf normally it's either south or north that yellow flag comes up it's got a black circle a black ball yep. and it's like <clears throat> surf down that beach down the way and swim in front of the lifeguard tower well lifeguard towers happen to be in pretty much the prime spot where you got these <laughs> insane lefts rolling in so we just go out there and mess around our bodyboards now 
uh, for the listeners, of course, bodyboards, and for people who aren't familiar. Well, they're, they know. They're surfers. Yeah. Well, everyone but, listens is a surfer. So right. They, well, they probably, if they remember correctly, if they remember, there are these rubber fins. And um, they were... You remember when yeah. Mori bodyboards came out? Yeah. There was there was no fins, but they came out with these rubber fins. Tom Mori and yeah. came out with these plugs that I still currently use. Um, and you just basically punch you punch a hole through the deck. A nylon screw goes into a rubber fin and yeah. locks it in place. And those were okay. So those were permitted because they're part of a, a boogie board, you know. Right. So uh, besides standing up on bodyboard no fins, you could have rubber fins and give you a little more gr- you know grab when you're dropping in on these waves and you just get barreled and you have a, a good time. And yeah. of course, you know that that would. Uh, ease you know you know your angst to try to you just want to go out there and get on your real board you know and and uh, so anyways it's one of these things that we going back to battling with the lifeguards it's really to their discretion there's rules but if you're out there running people over and you know yeah. they're gonna they're gonna pull you in anyways yeah but if you're cool you're just getting some getting pitted come you know and just yeah. just stoked you know so i was like you know okay i i see the need for it you know um the 411 black ball reader that you know that ben was kind of on a path to doing which he, yeah. he did it for himself. But at this you time, know? you were already making softboards under the INT label, right? I just started. Yeah, I was actually starting with a bigger board. Right, because, yeah, uh, just standard boards. The necessity. The, yeah. Then I know. Getting yeah. rid of that tracking yeah. rail edge. And that's actually what really, when I launched it, besides the 411, I, the 411 was kind of opening the gates. It would give eyes to the brand yeah. and something that wasn't in the marketplace, but also building with my background on surfboards, building a better softboard for not just rentals, but for beginners yeah. and for guys like you and I can go out and have fun on. And yeah. that was first thing I did was re kind of, I don't want to say I reinvented it, but I came out with the process. I borrowed from the bodyboard world where if you look at a bodyboard or a boogie board, you're going to see an, a different color material around the edge of the board. Some are cut at a 60-40 angle. Some are different, you know, depending. And, um, but you never really saw a rounded rail. But if I were able to layer a polyethylene, which is that same skin you see on the deck of a soft surfboard, if I could layer them, I could actually now take my grinder, my sander, and actually form that into a rail. And, and then sealing it up is another bodyboard method. It's a wet glove, you call it. And um, you have soap and water, and you just kind of, as you go over it with a heat gun, because whenever you sand polyethylene, you're going to open up the pores. You're going to see, yeah. you, it's no longer smooth, and you know, you right. got to smooth it back out. So right. after I get the rail I needed, I left an edge by the tail, I could go with this glove and heat that thing up, and you can watch it melt. Yeah. And you come in over with a, a wet glove, and it seals it, and it's smooth as butter. Right. So I was able to create, I called it the dual rail configuration. I filed a provisional patent on it but i couldn't afford to follow it all the way through yeah. but i created a board with a really nice rounded rail got rid of that continuous edge and you can do pin lines and colorways and that's really when int when i broke through on that it was uh did you already have tons of relationships and distribution at the retail level especially the specialty surf shops because of your distribution the int distribution warehouse like i had great was it easy for you to, to supply surf shops with your new int surf uh, softboards uh yes and no know that you know here here comes a new brand you know uh, okay what's going to make my boards different i'm still using standard production methods polyethylene foam uh is a very a kind of a spongy type foam hence the word sponge that's where you know they started yeah. calling bodyboards sponges and soft surfboards they retain water um so i was using the same material now what makes int different the 411 definitely busted the gates wide open. And then they would look at the colorways and they'd feel the rails. Right. Because the weight factor is still there. I'm using fiberglass stringers. I'm using very, very primitive technology, meaning yeah. I, we hand cut all our stringers on a bandsaw. Yeah. 
We had to cut our foam blanks into three pieces, glue them back up. My brother Danny would clamp them, and we'd set them. And the next day, we could template, jig them out, shape them. And then, you know, you're talking a step-by-step process. You're talking maybe 16 to 18 steps just in a, to build a soft surfboard back then. Yeah. Um, so it was a little struggle to get out there with a, as a new brand. But the good thing is I did have great relationships from prior companies and being in the industry for as long as I was in. Um, and they were willing to give it a shot, not only because it was a new brand and colorful and it looked different, like it could ride the black ball reader for sure, but it was that I had this inside knowledge that I knew they were back ordered. These other companies, right. BZ, Zabad, and Doyle, that was right. it. And so I kind of entered a space where real quickly I amassed a certain amount of orders yeah. and I just kind of panicked because I didn't, <laughs> ha- I didn't have all my machinery. I, I didn't have that. So I had to actually farm it out for a little bit to BZ and that's a whole nother story. Right. Because we had our little yeah, thing going on, and I, I miss that about the industry. But I eventually ended up custom making all my own equipment wow. to build them. And right. it, it took me a little while, but I laminated everything. Had was the Black build. Ball Beater more of a marketing tool, or were your sales of the Black Ball Beater the best thing as far as sales? Were, were, were the sales for the Black Ball Beater through the roof? Or did they – I know that they did create a lot of instant editorial, I remember. Surfer yeah. Magazine, every magazine picked up on it and went, hey, this is a cool new thing, you know? <laughs> yes, I was very, very lucky. I, it was a cool new thing. If you look at some of the earlier models, I don't have my collection anymore. They're pretty crude. I mean, nothing, there's nothing out there like it. I had these three-inch thick cores that I tried to round the rails out. Um, you know, and then we'd skin the deck. I did the slick top, which is uh, if people are familiar with the bodyboard, you have a slick bottom skin. Another design I did was a slick top, slick bottom, um, and then a rail wrap. You know, yeah. so that I wanted to be able to apply traction, make it more like a real board. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I believe, yeah, there was a Transworld, I think, did a piece on it back in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, trying to create something that was functional, a cool new design, colorway, but functional functionality was really, really key. Um, and then I started sourcing new materials. But back then, it, there, it was very limited. Yeah. And so uh, when I entered that space, I, I was able to capture some market share pretty quickly because the Black Ball Beater did open it up. People wanted, like, what is that thing? And I ran one ad. I could barely afford it. But yeah. I just wanted to stamp it. You know, like, yeah. hey, so this is new. This is the company making it. And then I was very fortunate to have a lot of friends like yourself, people that actually got it and wrote it and would want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, you got editorial, you did. I remember, which is yeah. like five times, ten times what it adds worth as far as the public's conception of it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it broke through in 2001 and two when I had the Philippi brothers and Machado, you know, and, and the boys just like, hey, Louie, I heard you're making softies, you know, and they had been cutting the tails off and riding the old Doyles, you know. So really, and INT was about fun, you know. I really yeah. wanted to have fun. I never ever wanted to compete with hardboards. It's just, it's just a totally different product. Yeah. It's like a Nerf football versus our leather football. You know, it's just yeah. not in the same, not yeah. in the same space. Yeah. So, you know, on a marketing tip, the black ball beater opened it up. I had all these great, great colorways, a more functional board. And then I had real surfers wanting to ride them yeah. and have fun on them. And how long, at, at the, I guess at the peak of your involvement with INT, where were, how many, what was your sales like? Do you recall like what your sales numbers were like or? Is yeah. that proprietary? It's not proprietary. Uh, at the time, we we're almost approaching two million, and I had uh, built not just did we expand in size. I moved from Oceanside to Carlsbad. Another uh, Ronnie and Rusty Philippi thing. You know, they they were doing their thing. You know, with silk screening, and uh, they had a, a, a big building, and I was over outgrowing mine. I uh, shut down my warehouse distribution with all these different brands. Timing was just perfect. Uh, some of the companies I was storing stuff for ended up buying their own buildings, and I felt the yeah. timing was perfect. Yeah. Moved it to Carlsbad, and uh, 
and went going from about 3,000 square feet to almost 13,000 square feet in a matter of about a year. And that was kind of how fast we were starting to really grow. Yeah. Uh, and then I had been approached by a, a guy out in Brazil, which I felt was going to be a challenge. I, I was being knocked off, actually. Yeah. I knew that was coming sooner oh, yeah. or later. Oh, yeah. And I, that's another story in itself, but uh, I, I, my brother you know, answered the door one day, and there was a Brazilian guy with his wife, and, and uh, went on to show him a board and wanted to meet me. And it looked just like the INTs, but the pin lines were real crooked, and they're having a hard time trying to figure it out, you know? Mm. Uh, and I guess to sum up that story, um, I met with him, yeah. and that was a typical... Uh, According to a 2013 review published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology... CBD soothes nausea and vomiting, acts as an antioxidant to reduce free radicals that cause neurodegenerative disorders, and works as an anti-inflammatory to reduce swelling. CBD also stimulates appetite and relieves pain. And we all have pain, back pain, elbow pain, neck pain, knee pain, pain in the ass. We all have pain. FYI, CBD is a safe, legal, 100% natural way to take care of this pain. Use promo code boardroom20 at checkout for 20% off. Boardroom20 at checkout for 20% off. FYI, CBD. I don't know how to put it. I don't think I'd do that this, to this day, yeah. but I was pretty frustrated because yeah. I knew I was being knocked off. I saw it at the shows. People yeah. were hiding the boards, you know, and, and uh, he, had, he had a board and I, and I agreed to meet with him and I knew who it was or where it came from because I'd hooked up this guy with four boards about a year prior and, mm. I, and I know where it stemmed from and, and I had a hunch and so when I met this guy, we ended up becoming friends and uh, we ended up doing, I ended up building a factory in Brazil. I built it here, shipped everything over there. Yeah. He built a big warehouse in this little town, Garapaba, and we trained 10 or 12 employees to build boards in their country oh, um, cool. and uh, people were doubting that we could do it and I I don't want to say I like challenges, but I just yeah. I saw something and I went for it. it. You do like challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so we went in and built it. And we shipped it over there, and it was yeah. awesome. And um, yeah, so we went from twelve thirteen thousand square feet. We had another factory in Brazil um, that I was partners in, and uh, we started just producing as much as we could. And uh, that's when the deals came with Quick. Started doing boards with Roxy and Quicksilver through McKnight. Yeah. You know, Bob McKnight for the listeners is a. Guy who's Quicksilver. I mean, he's like, yeah, yeah. you know, a guy who pioneered Quicksilver and Roxy and has become a very good friend. And we did a lot of great collaborations. And when I launched the hybrid, which is I went into molded boards, and that's the, kind of where INT went into. I wanted, how can I make more boards to, you know, basically the supply and demand thing, yeah. you know, was really, I was upside down practically. Yeah. And I didn't want to turn away orders, yeah. but. Uh, I had to figure out a way to fulfill those orders. Yeah. So I could take care of South America with a factory there, let them have that. Yeah. And then in the U.S., I would just pump as many boards as I could out there, and I, I had to go into something else, which was molded boards, molded blanks. What? What? So with INT, I mean, at some point, maybe talk to me about how that ended for you and why you're not in that, why you don't aren't involved with INT anymore. Was was 05, was the Clark thing? Yeah. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? That's sort of a side question, I guess, to my original question. But yeah. Um, when, did, when did you get out of INT? Well, that's a good question. Um, so in 2005, right around 0405, yeah, Clark had pulled the plug. I believe it was 0405. And this is back when fax machines were still relevant, as, you know, as far as it goes for myself. And I remember getting a fax, and it was basically grubby, 
Clark Foam had sent out a fax to all his, you know, whether they be vendors or clients, that he's pulling the plug on the whole thing. And I had some good inside information on that whole thing. And the beautiful thing for me, unfortunately for a lot of others, I know at the time because um, I know CI had just sold to Burton. There was a lot of movement in the surf industry um, that it didn't affect me. I was already at the time I just – I'm on a patent with a company out of Pittsburgh and they supply the resins to closed cell foam. I was I had discovered this foam 2002 and I started experimenting with it. I wanted to get away from polyethylene. I found this great foam and uh, it was actually car bumper foam. But the compatibilities, I had known about it for about 20 years but the mixture changed and I didn't know that. But this company that did it didn't know that they had created a great blank, you yeah. know, a great foam for a blank. Yeah. So I kind of messed with it with resins because I launched the hybrids. I was trying to launch a hybrid. So in hybrid, and I'll explain a little bit later, but uh, I discovered the compatibilities with not only just polyethylene that I could fuse, heat fuse these, this foam to my skin I was using, but also I could glass it. And so I, here I am working with this foam, which eventually led to a partnership with this company and a joint patent. And when Clark sent out that letter, I was also working with a company called Sealed Air, which the bubble wrap, that whole thing, you know, they supplied my polyethylene deck skin, like yeah. bodyboards. Yeah. Great people, great company. Yeah. And we had a good history together. And they approached me right after, post-Clark sending that out, because I had already a relationship with them that they wanted to enter the space, much like probably a couple dozen companies were like oh, all yeah. over it. How do we get involved in making blanks? Oh yeah. So at the time that happened, I was actually about... 80% in on a, um, I, well, I had my own foam, which had nothing to do with what we call polyurethane blanks, which is yeah. what Clark Foam was putting out there, yeah. PU blanks. And I had my own blank I was working on with sealed air. It was a polyurethane blank, and it was uh, water-based. Um, I want to say water and a two-part system. And we were they invested heavily into my factory, and we were, we were actually making molds. Then I have this other blank I'm using for all my softboards and my hybrids, which is a closed cell beaded foam, uh, much like EPS to the listeners, expanded polystyrene. It's like mm -hmm. a bead yeah. that's pumped into a mold, steamed, and it just gets super, super pressurized. And in about four or five minutes, the casket opens and out pops the blank. And yeah. that's the direction I went in with that. And then, so I, here I am running with this whole thing. And um, I ended up on a personal note, had just... Uh, Personal stuff was going on in my life, um, and I was also way over my head on just board production. I had way too many orders to try to fulfill. Um, I don't want to say I was falling behind, but I was definitely most – a lot of entrepreneurs will get this. Yeah. I had been behind on my rent maybe at the most five months. You know, As you grow, you have these growing pains, I just, you know, and I'm seasonal, so – you just pull the trigger and run, you know, and then before you know it, you know, you're like, okay, I'm three months behind on rent. Luckily, had great relationships with the landlord, the leasing guy, and the owner, and they believed in what I was doing. And I would catch up as soon as I start shipping, yeah. catch up. And that's one thing I try to always do is not burn bridges. Yeah. But I was about 10 months behind on yeah. rent, it was, yeah. and it was just really uh, – it was upside down and sideways. We yeah. really grew so fast. Um, and if I could share on a person, another personal level, this is – the entrepreneur way, you know, and partnerships that go bad. I launched an energy drink at the time. I, you know me, Scott. I'm just kind of – I'm always running different areas, but I had another – I was right there with Five Hour. <laughs> yeah. And I had that thing launch, and then I had a partner go to prison. 
I didn't know that was coming. And uh, so was, all these things happened, you know. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, I'm like, okay. You know, I, had a, I remember sitting there one day and my brother, who, Danny, who quit on me for the third time, the pressure, so, it gets so heavy. He yeah. just, it, he, he caved. And, you know, I ended up uh, down in Cabo at a SEMA event. And I was approached by a couple. And, you know, it was one of these situations where I'm like, you know, they saw the, the contest we were having. There was so much great hype on it. I think it was our third one, our second or third one. Um, we had some coverage on that with media. We, had, we it ended up being like I said early on a small thing, and all of a sudden there's a PA system down there where we had all the all of our friends in the industry coming down. I got the greatest times and pictures from that event. Super fun time, and I got approached to actually. Uh, they had heard through the grapevine that I'm, you know, I'm where I'm at yeah. financially. That yeah. hey, do you need a partner? Yeah. And uh, I entertained it, and uh, probably one of, besides Brazil. Yeah. which was a pretty quick deal. I yeah. mean, that was on a handshake, really. Yeah. Uh, I ended up doing a deal in 12 days, yeah. which was pretty crazy. Yeah. But they I, they believed in the brand. Yeah. Um, they flew up, bailed me out of everything, Ooh. and uh, off we went. You know, And I ended up actually parting ways with INT in 2007, seven years after I launched it. Yeah. And uh, the new partners went ahead and just you know uh, ran with it. At, at one point... Um and I forget the exact year, but you called me up and you're like, hey, Scott, are you, you know, my friend Bruce McFarland at American Wave Machine, um, he's got something cool going on here. Would you be interested in writing a piece? Um, you know, I think maybe I put it on Surfer Magazine's website, maybe. Is that where it was? Yeah. I think you did. Or was it in the Senegal Union or no? I think it was Surfer. Okay, yeah. So anyway... You called me up, and I, I met with Bruce, and and so at this point, Louis, you're involved with wave parks and wave pools and artificial waves, and and Bruce mm-hmm. McFarland and his his crew there with the American Wave Machine. So how did that? How did you get there? How did you get into a- AWM? Sure, that's a, that's very relative to what's happening now, Scott, and that's a that's, that's a that was a good time because I. I Again, I want to thank you for being the one to believe in it because, honestly, I was just like – I think I pretty much begged you to do a story <laughs> because <laughs> there wasn't really anything out there to compare it to other than, you know, these Typhoon Lagoon-type wave pools. But um, I remember talking to you about that. And- well, I, I remember kind of <laughs> – my whole thing is, you know, because when you work at Surfer Magazine, you get a call every week about some great new wave pool that's going to be six-foot sure. perfect. yeah. And my whole thing with you and Bruce was like, call me when it's six foot and perfect. Otherwise, I'm yeah. not interested, you know? It was, it was, that's classic because that, that's a lead in. And I, I will backtrack because you're right. I did ask you, nearly begged you to do a piece because I had gotten involved with American Wave Machines about 2004, 03, 04 to be exact. A, a friend of mine, Elijah Mack, you know, he's, I, uh, I was, a lot of my blackball beaters actually were, I was shipping to like, places with lakes um and he was a river surfer formula from san diego big wave surfer but moved to um oregon and was surfing rivers started in 2000 i think it was yeah so um i was shipping him some 411s up there and he said they're perfect for rivers and he started opening some channels for me the next thing i'm shipping boards for wake surfing you know because we were riding them down here and we thought they were great throw them in the boat not worry about them you know and yeah um you can they just they're soft you know on the rails and deck and so anyways he had met with a company that he just found that was trying to mimic the Waimea River mouth. When they opened that up, it was like, you know, uh, like a river wave. Yeah. So he got a hold of them out of Solana Beach, and then he's like, you got to meet these people. And the, the story on that is actually kind of funny. We laugh about it now. But at the time, I was pretty frustrated because every penny counted, you know. And I remember I was just growing the brand, and he's like, Lou, you got to come to New Jersey, man. I'm like, Why? 
You know, and he's you like, mean Bruce at American Wave Machines. There's, I got a friend. You got to meet him. He's, yeah. he's building a wave machine. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this sounds killer. Like, what do you mean? He's like, it's an endless wave. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, I go, well, how big? Like three to four foot. I go, that sounds fun. You know, he's like, it's insane. Dude, I'm surfing rivers. You got to come out. And I'm like, first, I'm like, well, how, who, you know, bring your brother, you know, and, and my, my manager at the time, Bobby, I'm like, and, and this is uh, Bruce or is this, this Elijah? Is Elijah okay, trying okay, to talk Elijah, me okay, into Elijah. coming out to meet Bruce, right? Okay, right? So the story goes, Bruce, who's American Wave Machines president, had designed a wave machine. And he's, he's actually uh, on a friend of his real estate uh, uh, land. In New Jersey, they built shipping containers, and he was kind of consulting for this company, Seabox. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think that's what it was. So he ended up building a wave machine out of a shipping container, and I'm trying to put wrap my head around this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, um, what do I? What do you want me to do? And, and I didn't really want to go because he's, he's kind of telling me about it, you know. And I said, okay. And I, I researched it. Tickets are going to be this. I'm like, okay. So almost four grand. I'm like, all right. I'll fly Danny because, you know, we go way back. I go, I'm a, uh, he goes, just do me a favor. Just come out. And I said, all right, I'll do it. All right. Booked it, flew out there. And we, we, we ended up going to somewhere in Jersey. I want to say it was just going into winter because it was still a little chilly. We roll up on this place and it there's all these shipping containers. And I look and there's this freaking pool. Like it looked like a uh, an outdoor what do they call those doughboy? Or remember those old swimming outdoor swimming pools? You still yeah. see them in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's wrapped above, ar- above ground. Above ground, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with PVC pipes everywhere, wrapped yeah. around this shipping container. And um, I see blue fi- fiberglass, and I'm like, it's twelve about twelve feet wide with all this water around it. it Looks like this little island or something mm-hmm. around the water. And I'm like, what? I saw bleachers. I'm like, yeah. what is this? You know? And then hey, Bruce, hey Marie, and I met him. And um, these are, this is Louie, and, and these are the guys. This is an old friend of mine. The boards I've been riding, perfect, I think, for these. He, and Eli thought they'd be perfect for this type of surfing. Yeah. So I met them, and all of a sudden, before you know it, there's a crowd of people start showing up. We had just – he just turned on the water, and we're getting used to it. Then a news crew shows up, and before you know it, Eli pulls me aside and goes, Hey, listen, I hate to break this to you, dude. Don't be pissed. It's only like two foot, but listen. And I'm like – I just was like, you, like, I was just like I am now. I was stuttering because I was like, you're kidding me, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, dude, I'm so sorry. Get pissed at me later. But listen, we got to surf for these people, man. And I'm like, oh, I look at my brother, Dan, he's like, what's going on? It, it, it's like some news channels there. And um, before you know it, he fires up the, the water. And we got about maybe 20 minutes to practice. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not doing this. I'll shoot the thing then. I'll photo it. And I love mm-hmm. photography. So... They get in there, and all of a sudden, all these executives start showing up, and that's what the bleachers are for. And before I knew it, it was Six Flags, Magic Mountain executives. Uh, uh, They're all up there waiting for us to show them how this machine works. And Eli goes, listen, they're trying to sell this. They're trying to sell their first one. So we're going to sell it for them. And I'm like, this is nuts, dude. (laughs) So the footage is great. But, hey, we end up just figuring it out. Um, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff for the photo. Of course, you know, you can, you don't have to pull a maneuver or stick it, but it looks pretty cool while you're doing a snap. Right. 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 But I ended up being, um, a super fun time and it ended up being a really a start of a a very long relationship with AWM. Yeah. And, uh, we had a blast doing it. I was told they were so grateful, obviously while we were there, but I was told later that they did sell one. Um, and then at that point when they saw the boards, they said, listen, will you, will you make boards? Yeah. for our future ones, you know, all the future parks. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to because I'm already selling them to river surfing communities, surfers, uh, you know. And when I learned more about the wave and Bruce's history, 
uh, I, you know, it, it made sense to me and I was happy to do it. So we became there. I think they announced it in Oh five uh, that we Oh six, we became their official board partner. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it was a perfect fit. And yeah. so that's kind of my introduction into wave machines in Oh four. And then we had, uh, worked together since. And, uh, at the time, this is pre 2008 recession. So we were, uh, it was a really, really good run. I think I reached out to you and uh, was it 07, 08? Yeah. It I'm was 08. Sure. I think it was post not. like 2008 before the crash. I remember that. And yeah. the reason was I'd parted ways with INT. I was already consulting for yeah. AWM yeah. and had that relationship with them. And uh, that's when I got brought on to be the director of marketing and I'd parted ways with INT. Yeah. I decided, hey, you know, we can we can sell these things not just for training and and just to have fun on and surfing. Um, I believe there's something here, and that's when I reached out to you. And when I shared with you, it was a stationary wave. Bruce's background is with WaveLock with Tom Lochtefeld. They had yeah. they worked together, and although Tom was leading it, they end up splitting up, and Bruce kind of developed his own thing. And um, his was, you know, we were riding boards with fins, and that to me was really more like surfing and both were had its own use for it you know and they're both fun and that's when i reached out to you and i said hey scott there's a you've got a wave machine here and you're like well what is it you know and (laughs) and then you're like and you and you're you're so cool about you're like all right listen if we're gonna do this you know i really want to i'm not putting anything out there that's going to be lame or you know i gotta speak the truth i go hey i'm not asking you to fluff anything up it's a real wave it's just not a wave, it's a wake, really. But yeah. So it was really cool. And I still have that article. Yeah. And it was funny because I think when you were done with it, I remember, you, and I was, you know, obviously grateful. And, you know, so were Bruce and Marie. And you go, hey, call me when it's six foot and perfect. <laughs> yeah. And if you remember, that was 2008. And here's why. Because in 18, Waco launched. Yeah. And I called you and said, hey, it's six foot and perfect. <laughs> I know, that's right. And, and I think one of my very first podcasts was with... Bruce, Willie McFarland, Bruce's son. That's right. And it was with AWM. That's right. One of my first podcasts. And not (laughs) shortly after that, I think a year later, my son and I flew to Waco with some friends and and me and and the boys, we surfed Waco. And it, it was it was super fun. Yeah. That's awesome. It was four foot and perfect. I don't think it was six <laughs> foot and perfect. But. Oh, man. So yeah. that takes us to kind of like, you know, that gets us caught up to, to sort of where we're at now. And you um, you and I spoke recently and, and I've been checking out some of the stuff you're doing. And you've got, um, I think, Hayward Brothers Surfboards is a new label that you're putting out. Right. And you also have um, some sort of proprietary resin mix that you're that you're um that's really i think frankly could be groundbreaking to the industry the technology uh the mixing the chemistry of this is not necessarily groundbreaking to chemistry but groundbreaking to the surfboard manufacturing industry and um, maybe you can sort of talk me through that a little bit sure we've we've got you know another maybe 20 minutes or so sure Yeah. yeah i'm happy to um, and I'll interject with some questions as I go, because mm-hmm. it's important that we try to keep it um, for the listening audience, you know, not we can't go in the weeds too deep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have to sure. speak kind of generically about. I totally get that. And uh, I agree with you, you know, um, with your background and mine, we, getting deep is probably getting technical and you start talking scientific type chemistry type mixtures, you yeah. know, and 
I, I prefer you're going to lose me. If yeah. you lose me, then you're going to lose everyone. I, I just wanted to tell everyone, I'm not a chemist. I, everything I've learned has been seriously trial and error um, yeah. and out of curiosity. Yeah. And then having, you know, uh, you know been, being introduced to surfboards in the mid-80s and then doing ding repair and started sweeping the floors in the shop and sanding and then finning my, you know, finning boards and uh, and then eventually learning about glassing and all the different techniques and then seeing epoxy come out, you know, and, and I've been very privileged, very fortunate to work with some of the best board builders in the world, um, you know, and then I think at Takiyama's, Gary Linden, I, you know, when I work with those guys, they're both to me visionaries and, you know, Gary with the foam insert fins, everything that, you know, he was doing, he was so always thinking ahead and now he's doing the you know the uh agave stuff you know and um yeah. and uh we have a gary and i are really good friends and, and the late donald takiyama you know when i worked for donald i remember i sanded joel tudor's first board you know just learning about the you know uh the tints and the resins and glossing and polishing and um one of the things i have always appreciated about that craft is uh the, the the workmanship the craftsmanship you know i'm really into building things and that's to me one of the most underrated, underappreciated work is what these guys do. You yeah. know, and I used to be one of those guys, and I yeah. still am when yeah. I'm messing around with all my stuff. You know, oh yeah. Um, but I, one thing that I did have to get away from is the Monkey Surf Resort. Newly built Monkey's Resort is a luxury Telo Island surf resort in Sumatra, Indonesia, providing better access to premier Telo Island waves. Monkey'sResort.com. Myself and seven buddies are going to spend twelve days at Monkey's Resort. Surfing perfect Tello Islands waves, getting fed like gods, massages, watching Caddyshack over and over and over, and then doing it all again the next day. Monkeys Resort, access to premier Tello Island waves, monkeysresort.com. Is the resin, uh, the fumes, you know, what they call the VOCs. And I'll, and I'll keep it super surface, but. That stuff, I love the smell of it. Much like people love the smell of gasoline. Like, I, I love smelling gas. When I walk into a factory and I smell resin, it just takes me back. Uh, you know, that's surfing to me. Much like Barra Zog's, you know, sex wax. You smell that, it's just surfing. And what I realized early on was no matter how much I protected myself, and granted, I was pretty lazy about it, much like most young guys. I'll wear my mask in the room. I walk out and take it off. But there's still particles floating through that factory. And I remember I started doing this thing called speed spray. I go in at night and, you know, because resin is porous. A lot of people don't realize that regular polyester resin can, you know, eventually you see those pinholes that turn brown yeah. on your board. Yeah. After a couple of years, you see those little yellow spots. It's just all water, you know, yeah. you know, that's penetrating, you know, through the cloth and resin. So, you know, someone came up with the right idea to clear coat the boards yeah. and then wet sand that. Now, clear coat is like an automobile. You see the paint, the old way of painting cars, you paint it. And I used to paint cars, so I have a background in you know, uh, working on cars, you know, yeah. sanding and painting them. And, um, you do a layer, a couple layers of your base. If it's red, like a, let's say candy apple red. And that's one of the, I did paint my car candy apple red. So you paint it and then you shoot clear coats over it. You could yeah. layer three, four, five, six clo- coats of clear coat. And then you would wet sand that, get all your little orange peels off. And then you buff the heck out of it and you get that really awesome reflection mirror, you know, yeah. That's the theory on speed spray, and Gary was doing it. I wanted to experiment it. I had a background in it, so I was a good candidate. So I would go in at night and speed speed spray twenty boards. You know, by the time you get to the, you start with the deck. By the time you get to the twentieth one, in an hour, that's dry, and you flip it over and start over the process. And I leave at midnight. You know, yeah. I remember going into work, and I one night I was, I got a Roberto's burrito, and I did twenty decks yeah. in an hour. 
And it was like 11 at night. And I remember walking outside and ate my burrito staring at the moon. And I swear, it was like two in the morning when I looked at my watch. And I was like, oh, my God, like three hours just lapsed. I'm, I was high, like way high. Yeah. And here I am thinking I'm, you know, I got my respirator on. And I walk outside and I'm thinking I'm okay. And I'm, I realized then and there that I'm like, you know, I can't do this. Like, yeah. And I'm only at the time 25. Yeah. And I remember going, oh, you know, there's just got to be a better way. And that's been kind of on my mind through the years on, you know, even when I launched INT, I was happy that I could do a board and get away from the, the, uh, the toxic, yeah, yeah, the resins, you know. Now, I, when I launched the hybrids, which is hard bottom, a soft rail and top, those are the hybrids that I came out with. Because uh, the foam I had was compatible with polyethylene bodyboard skin and epoxy and polyester resins. So I could create this board with FCS, future fan boxes, hard bottom, performance, soft rail and deck for safety. Yeah. So I was able to launch these. Now, when I, when I was um, exposed again to resin, and I think we're going back on – remind me because we're talking about the boards. Yeah. And – why? What was it back? Remind me. Go backwards, Scott. What am I trying? You've lost me. Yeah, because I I was going back. I went too far. Oh, back. I was. Well, I was just asking you. Like, what's? Where are we at now? You've got like some. Oh yes, proprietary yes. Okay. resin. That's you've it. got these killer new boards that that yes. have the. You've got hybrids in front of me right now that have the <laughs> the, the, the right. hard bottom, and the the deck that's that's soft enough, but it feels it's like in between. It's like a medium density or something, but. But mm-hmm. the the dings come back, like the little pressures that your heels put in the deck, they come back. And so, exactly. So, yes. and that's what I'm kind of interested in is like it feels like you've got this this sort of new technology that's that's fascinating. Like the the bottoms are hard enough so that all of the performance that somebody like myself and probably all of mm-hmm. our listeners are into, which is you know we need performance. We're not going to give up performance. That seems to be there now regarding you know. <laughs> how stiff the de- the bottoms are, and, and then you've got these soft rails and soft deck. Absolutely, you're right. And and um, you said it perfectly. And I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit. I'll elaborate a little <laughs> I bit. I think that was perfect. <laughs> well, you explained it well. So, yes, on the resins that are currently available, you get your polyester resins, right? And uh, most people will probably understand laminating resin, and then you have what's called a hot coat resin. And to people that don't understand how surfboards actually laid up, you got your foam blank, no matter the material, whether it's EPS, polyurethane, which is standard like Clark foam. You lay up cloth, and once you put your fiberglass cloth down, you pour resin over it, and you squeegee that in there. You can YouTube it. You can see how it's done. Once that dries, you apply your second layer on, and that'll be your sanding resin, and that has like a little waxy substance so you can actually sand it. Now, if you could take it a step further, you can do gloss resin, which is your polish. Right. What I've so been, the, the, yeah. the laminating resin is a hot coat. Laminating resin is your first resin that you lay up. Oh, I mean the sanding resin is the hot coat. So. Yes, right. sanding resin yeah. is a hot coat. Exactly. So um, let's, I'll backtrack. I've been, for the last four or five years, post-INT, I could never really get away from foam. I, I, there's a lot of things I wanted to do that I never was able to introduce, and there were going to be more work involved. So I kind of dabbled in and out of it, you know, and then I kind of had this idea that I would – experiment with again i just experiment anything outside of what normal resin we'd have how do i create something that's safe user-friendly performance isn't sacrificed um you know and and make a board here in the u.s which i'm really big on and um something totally not just different but it served a purpose and uh, i started messing around with different plastics and rubbers you know and 
Um, there's a lot available out there. When you look outside of our surf industry, our typical, what we're used to, there's a ton of stuff. And I, I, one thing I like to borrow from other industries. Um, for example, I, you know, the automotive industry is big to me. Uh, there, there's, if you look at how, what's painted and what they use, whether it's acrylics or any kind of paints and clear coats, they're always, you know, improvised or like not improvised and they're always improving, you know, and moving forward and longer lasting stuff. But I discovered something that they use in the, uh, the tool world, and I started messing around with that. Got to reach the chemist and their top guys in the company in the Midwest. Sign our NDA. Started exploring ways to do because they have never done surfboards before. I got it to a level where I could surf them, and I and there's definitely something there. And then, um, so when I, you say you got it to a level, you mean the pro- I was helping the develop. rubber that. Yeah. Is it a plastic or a rubber? This company that I was working with is more like a plastic uh, – it's okay, a so rubber. It's more like a rubber coating. Okay, so the, so you just started working with these rubber coatings. About a year and a half into it. Right. And here's the biggest problem. I mean, obviously, California has so many regulations. So this rubber coating goes on top of the – Foam. On top of the foam. It has nothing to do with the, it could, the it, cloth or the resin? It could go on the foam or the resin. It goes straight onto a polyurethane blanket. Yeah. And it can't, yes, I did do poly. I did polyurethane blanks. I did my blank, which I it's not just my blank. And it's, so let me go back. I actually re we the company I patented my phone with, yeah. INT is no longer working with, and that's whether it's public knowledge or not. It's a fact. And yeah. and, and so we got in touch with each other. We so you got your phone back from I got my phone back. You got your original phone back from INT. Which just worked it out. Yeah, which and never you're saying re- that this 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 can, is. This can, yeah, this can go on top of that Correct. without fiberglass and without resin. And by the yes. way, we're holding, we're holding some of this rubber. Yes, it's like a resin my rubber, hand, and it's a soft, rubbery, yeah, pliable, Red. cool little. It's pretty neat when people feel so this, it. Yeah. And, and do you do you spray this onto the foam? Yeah, onto a let's just use polyurethane. Let's just keep okay. It let's keep it simple then. Polyurethane blank. I can. Sp- you're spraying this onto the foam, and the board's strong, and it's soft. I we got it to the level where I can spray it now, so I don't confuse the listener. There's two companies. We're already confused. Sorry, let me backtrack <laughs> no, no. here. I, I no, can no, do no, that real okay. easy. It's okay. It's There's just so like many I'm moving parts. It's simple. Okay, let's. I'll backtrack. The company, just so the listeners know and you know, that I was working with to try to come up with this plastic rubber stuff. Yeah, I was on my way to doing it. I think I feel because i test rode the boards that i had something now california is so regulated i couldn't even get a gallon of this stuff shipped to my house without having it an ex- a piece of paper that said i was exempt yeah. another permit or a piece of paper that says that you know i'm i'm able to accept this stuff it's hazardous when they ship it so it still had that hazard label yeah. so for a year i've been trying to get it and the reason is not just am i working with this company but instead of paying top dollar and buying them in small quantities I could get gallons and for like yeah. 20 bucks a gallon versus yeah. I'm paying 20 bucks for a little quart. So right. they were willing to work with me and give me their pricing so I can help further my research right. and I couldn't do it. And you know, what do you mean you couldn't do I it? I couldn't get the company there, which for them, they're by the book that when you're doing hazardous materials, you okay. have to have everything logged. So you couldn't get large quantities of this stuff. I couldn't even get small quantities. You couldn't get a little tester quantity. No. So I was like, okay, I had to, you know, am I going to have contacts in Arizona, uh, you know, wherever I, maybe I can get it there. I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. Anyways, I'm going around and around. Well, I'm on the board at the California Surf Museum since 1990. And this segues right into how I, you got what you, is in your hand. And 
Um, about a couple of years ago, there was a group from Lockheed Martin, the defense company, that uh, expressed huge interest in surfing and huge interest in that they, rather than building defense-type stuff, mili- you know, bombs and all the other stuff, they felt there, there was a need to help our military in another way, and that was PTSD through therapy and surfing. And the Surf Museum, we had a China Beach exhibit that was really successful. Yeah. I think American Airlines did a piece on it. That's actually how one of the executives saw it was on an airline. I got an email that, hey, listen, someone reached out, love to meet us. The group and talk to us about surfing. Anyone want to come in? You know, I think they maybe, must have seen the movie that we love your movie. That I created. They did. Actually, they end up seeing that. It's yeah. really cool. I'll tell you more about that when you and I are talking later. Yeah. They um they did. And um I went to it. I think maybe four of us showed up. I was curious. And when I met that crew, there was huge interest in surfing being therapy, for, you know, for PTSD. Mm-hmm. I know you did it. You did an amazing that that video you did was awesome. So Lockheed Martin's at this meeting and they're yes. showing an interest in surfing because yes. they want to help the vets. Yes. Now, and the surf museum was a great, because we had the Chinese beach exhibit. So right. it kind of stemmed from there. Now through this process, it lasted about a year. Um, I ended up meeting some great people right. through this whole thing. And, and, you, and I, you're networked in with Lockheed Martin now. Yes. Yeah. And I ended up, one of the guys I stayed in touch with about, almost a year ago we're on the phone catching up on things and he's these guys are like on another level man this guy's working with lithium batteries stuff that i'm like i was fascinated with but i'll yeah, yeah. it was just i don't even, yeah. even understand half the stuff yeah. his name's Lowell, great guy and um as we're talking he goes louis what's up with that board company you're doing and besides your wave machine stuff because i was i'm still active in that space yeah. and i said yeah i'm kind of a hit i hit a wall man i can't get this stuff you know shipped to me and he's like well listen i you got to talk to a friend of mine I said, who is he? And he said, he's just, his name's John. And, you know, basically 3M, you know, he's retired from 3M. Guy's got numerous patents. He's, so he hooks you up with John, yeah. who's a retired chemist at 3M. That's just like a, a brilliant, brilliant guy regarding could, this stuff. I could never have found a guy like this. Like, right. it, just his background, is it fascinates me and what he's invented. So you found this guy. So we, he hooks us up. Now, as soon as we get on the phone, I come to find out that he's actually been at your show. The he's been at the boardroom show. Yep, he showed there. I think twice, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So you you know who he yeah, is, and yeah. so Bob they, and John, Bob and John. So uh, at boardroom at his company name, Jamrack, Jamrack. Yeah. So they ended up. So they just for quick. They, <laughs> yeah. They came to me like we got this insane new resin. It's going to blow doors on the industry. It's insane. <laughs> it's a water based resin. You're yeah. going to be blown away. It's going to be safe. It's going to be quick. Everyone's going to love it. This is a no brainer. And of course, they didn't realize that they were about to run into the brick wall which is (laughs) the surfboard manufacturing industry which just does things a certain way and has done them a certain way for a long time and and although they're very interested in new concepts and new stuff um it's sort of like wagging the dog like we're not sure which like does the consumer push the glass house to change the thing or does the glass house push the consumer to change the way it's done or does the real it's like no one really knows. But anyway, so Bob and John ran into this wall, and it was, I'm sure, frustrating for them. Well, it was, and the wall they ran into, and you're right, Scott, it, it is. Does, does a glass house, you know, who who pushes who, yeah, right? right? And I think it works both ways. It really does. If, yeah. the, if the glass house stumbles on something, they're going to show their clients, yeah. whether they want it or not, or vice versa. They're going to, hey, I found something. Can you glass my board with it? Well, yeah, sure. We'll charge you, but here's yeah. what we'll do. Yeah. So um, they went to your show. This is prior to me meeting them and they they were actually they met some good people um besides yourself they met another guy uh bill johnson yeah 
And I have a board from Bill. I, Bill's a great guy. Yeah, he loved the foam I was using. Surfboard shaper. Florida lived here forever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And a few other guys. And they now, 3M. These guys don't surf. Yeah. Now they, but they, as a favor, the story goes, as a favor, the guys. He's retired from 3M, but he's like, hey, you know, looking for things to do. He's like, you should. The surf industry could use some help. What do you mean? You know, the, uh, the resin's so toxic. Blah blah blah. You know, he's like, well, yeah. I, that's my background. I could come up with something, and he did. So John came up with this water-based resin. Yeah. Um, he introduced it at your show. You and I discussed this. I, I he had met some of the right people, but they don't understand. They understand marketing. Bob does, but not the way the industry, our industry, markets. And then the relationships are so key, and having the right people involved. They have some good people, and they had a good run. Long story short, it it, it what they thought was going to be a bang was more of a pop. And it was a pop that was just at the show. They, they, they explaining it to the average person walking by a surfer yeah. didn't quite grab them. Water based was the key word, um, and it was just a laminating resin. So they they basically gave up on this. They, yeah, and, and they had for, some at least at the point at that time, right? And so what what's interesting is that through your friends at Lockheed Martin, you get networked in with these two guys that have already been introduced to the surfboard industry through my show and are yes. sort of frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much, yeah, they pretty much did give up. And what happened was, you know, without going into too detailed, we, they had they had momentum. They built some boards for some really good surfers, world-renowned surfers. Yeah. The layup, John's a chemist, so things are done very, like, I mean, to the T, man, whether yeah. you're measuring it by the gram or the ounce, you have yeah. to measure his stuff out. But with his water-based resin, yeah. the only thing you have to do is follow the layup. And the layup is not trying to reinvent the wheel or re- uh, teach these guys to do something totally different. Put on your cloth, pour the resin on, squeegee it all around, but squeeze everything out of that. Squeegee everything out of it. The excess resin, you can save it, bottle it back up, use it on the next board. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. Yeah. And it's water-based. You clean your tools with warm water yeah. and soap. Yeah. So when my friend goes, you got to call John. Well, we hit it off on the phone. We must have talked for almost two hours. You know, we, we think a lot alike. And I gave him my background. Next thing you know, we were scheduled to meet. They sent me some product. I'm building boards out of it. Now, when I did the first ones, is that I, where this comes from? So what you're no, this is totally different. Oh my so, god! So yeah, this is but this is here's the cool thing. Okay. When we when he sent me the these gallons of this stuff uh, to the listener, it looks like Elmer's glue. It looks like really when you look at it, it looks you mean like the water based resin or water based resin. Okay. Looks like Elmer's glue. Okay. It's a it's one part. It's, I mean it's it's all mixed pre mixed. All pre mixed. You just pour it on. You pour it on. There's literally no fumes. Pour it on the, on the glass. Squeegee on the, the board glass. down, yes. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. You know, as you squeegee it on, you know, you roll, you know, your rail, you got your lap, and then you repeat the process on the bottom. And here you have this foam, which in my case, I'm using, you know. Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So I look at, here's this, and I, and I, it's dry in 30 minutes, okay? You got a 20-minute work time, okay, meaning before it even starts to dry. Now, the yeah. drying method and i use drying because it evaporates the 30 percent of this resin evaporates right. and when it through the process it starts to kind of suck to the board the blank right, right so right. it's got a better like it just really it's got grips a really the board, good adhesion. yeah it really good adhesion yeah and then you're ready for the next step now you can use regular sanding resin which now you're back into the toxic resins right and when i built these boards John told me. So you me, have to put something on top of it. You to have to sand put something it. on it. Yes. Okay. Now, as and I did a board like that, and yeah. it totally worked. And that's what they did in but the past. But it was toxic. 
It was, but right. then the second layer is toxic. Right. So the, the the first step was great. They're helping the industry out. The laminating resin, you can use this oh, yeah. water base. It inspired him to finish his other resin he started. He's about eighty percent in. Okay. And he finished it. Okay. And this is the A and B mixture. So two parts. This is. That's what this is. Now and we're holding hold, this. Well, what you're holding the whole plastic hold rubber combination. <laughs> this pliable. This soft. is the third one. This is a, okay, just keep it simple. I'm going to keep it simple. So the <laughs> A and B. That became our hot cut resin. Okay, he so finished you've it. got the first cool Now we got stuff. a hardboard. Now you've got a hardener. Now we got a hardboard. Now we got we laminated got a resin. Yeah. It's water based. Then we go into our A and B, which you still have to clean with acetone. So, but you don't smell the resin like you normally would. This okay. is it's, a, it's mixed as it come out as you mix them together. Yeah. You create this. It's a hardener. Right. And it kicks and then it hardens. Now, now you got yourself a laminated resin and a hot cut resin. Right. That thing sands just like regular resin. Right. Now. Okay, I got my hardboard. Right. Now, do I? I'm still looking for something to to make it a soft deck and rail. So, we were as we we're discussing everything. They're learning about my my background and what I was currently working on. I showed him. I showed the team. They flew out. We hung out. We got yeah. to be really good friends. And they What'd said, you like, show them? "This is what I'm doing." I showed him the stuff I was using prior. Uh-huh. All the different chemicals or different. You mean the stuff you had a hard time getting? Um, the, the stuff here. I'll show you. I brought it, which is. Well, don't talk until you're in front of my. Here it is, right here. So, this is a, a very crude version. If Louis holding a surfboard, it's in front black. Of me. Now, it's got a hard bottom, but it's sort of saw. It's pliable enough I can put my finger in it, but it bounces back. Right, and I, I would probably, I would probably give the name for this, but what I'm going to do because I, I'm still kind of working with them. So, anyways, we'll just keep it. So what simple, it is is if, we're like really winding all uh, over yeah. the place. If you want to, if you if you you can squeeze it. It's got uh, it's it's got give to it it's squishy um now mind so this you, is what you showed him this is what i showed You're like him. i want something that does this i need something yes. soft i it's have like, a hardboard now but i need something soft how can you help me yes this is what you said yes so i gave him a piece what of did they say to you they, well john's a 53 52 year yes poly. So he, goes, he goes no problem he goes i can do that yeah and i said okay well let's see what we can do and i sent him pieces and um within about a week he goes, I'm ready to send you something. And he sent it to me. Did he I, send you liquid or did he send you a finished He sent product? me liquid. Uh-huh. And he sent me a sample. And I go, this is kind of like, much like you're holding your hand, yeah. but a little stiffer. And I go, this is pretty cool. This, this is could be the answer to your softboard. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I tested it. I liked it. We tweaked it. And all of a sudden, I'm now I've got, we got a third product, which we call our liquid rubber resin. Right. So he took... Liquid our, rubber. We took our A and B hot coat resin. Yeah. He hasn't. He added another additive. We call it, and, yeah. and that made it rubberized. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm laying it up, brushing it on. Right. We worked on the cure time. I need a little bit more time to work with. Whatever. It. Tweak yeah, that just, out. Yeah. Now it lays up, and it sands. Yeah. Insane. And now I've got this what I call a hybrid. I've got this soft gelled deck and rail. Yeah. And I got a hard bottom, or right. I can do the whole board. Soft right. gel. Right. Either way, it's resin. So is the bottom of this blackboard here, is this just the, the normal board, the hardboard that you created without the rubber resin? This right here is the old stuff I was using. I brought it as a prop to show you where, how crude and where I was. This isn't even the resin. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't yeah, need I, to, I'd rather know where you're at. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Okay. So this board that you saw that I was stoked on that you said, oh, yeah. So the, I'd ride so this, this is this is the... The laminating resin with the A and B on it, and then with this also. Which, all three. All three are on this board. Right. 
but it's really the laminating resin, the A and B with this rubber plastic um, additive. So it's just two processes. Yes. Right. So the goal, Scott, is... And for the listeners, it's hard. We apologize. You can't see what Louis is holding, but he's basically got a really hard bottom surfboard with a soft, comfortable, this rubberized resin on the deck. And it's really intriguing. And it's, it's looks like a board I would absolutely ride and not feel like I'm giving up any uh, performance because I'm not, you and I aren't going to give up performance. You know what right. I mean? Like the, the hardcore surfer is not going to give up performance, but now I've got a relatively soft deck and rail yes. and it's not that soft. I mean, it's, 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 you can definitely squeeze it. It's it's soft, but it's not like soft like like a, something you get at Costco soft. Right, right. Yeah. It's not a polyethylene to the listeners like a bodyboard. You're not going to feel like a bodyboard, yeah. but you can definitely push oh, yeah, your you finger can definitely into it. Push it yeah. I've got it's got about thirty percent memory because it also falls into the foam. I'm really big on the foam, so I've got my old foam. I'm working with the closed cell waterproof core, hence. The tower system, I keep this, this board right here, the single fin you're looking at. These are the original, it's a seven inch fin through the deck, nylon screw, soft surfboard fin. And I, and I, I have that approach because I, people look at this right away and go, it's a softboard because they're familiar with the Costco stuff. People are yeah. more familiar with softboards. Yeah. Yeah. You grab this and you go, wait, this is a hardboard. Wait, yeah. no, squeeze the deck. Whoa, that's rubber. Yeah. It's and a hybrid is what it is. It's a hybrid. And yeah. it weighs about just under five pounds. So we're yeah. right, in the, right in the ballpark with what a typical board would weigh. So what we have is your original INT foam that you got back. Yeah. And we've got fiberglass cloth with this water-based laminating resin and the new rubberized A and B. Elastomeric, sand, yeah, sanding. Hayward Brothers resin. Hayward Brothers yeah. resin. And it's right. really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. And with the heart bottom again. And I, I know it's hard for the listeners to follow yeah. all of this, so I'm trying to keep them on track. To Thank you. Know where we're at. Thank you, because I can definitely get sideways on that. I mean, well, me too. <laughs> it's and easy it's, to do. Sometimes it's hard with the, in the audio form, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and again, you know, Dude, the, the tower, the fins. So can I put fin boxes in this? It looks like I could. You just don't want to, which is what you just explained. You're like, yep. but I mean, like if I ordered one of these boards from Hayward Brothers, I would want future boxes in this, right? Or, or my, let's say I have FCS, a bunch of FCS fins, you know, whatever system I want, I yes, can get. Exactly. I can put a um, fins unlimited Bane box in there. You can yeah. do, you can do glass on, you can do whatever. I yeah. mean, that's what I was just going to explain too. So you hit it. It's a. Uh, I'm I'm starting out with the softboards because that's that's my background and um, to re-enter the cabinet. Let me see this board because what I want to do is sure. I'm going to tap on this board for the listeners so they can kind of hear what the bottom sounds like. (laughs) 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 No, no, it's just me. So that hey Maverick, so that tells you that it's a hard bottom. That was the bottom. Now the deck. Is the deck going to sound like? You might have a different uh, sound. Yeah, that's pretty similar. So the, it's but the, the same deck's resin. softer than yeah. the bottom. Exactly. And how do you get the, the bottom harder than the deck? So If it's the same resin. It's the same resin. So the bottom is without the rubber. Oh, okay. The bottom's just the standard layup, and then you do the mix that has the rubber in it. Yep. I got gotcha. you. The beauty of it is we use the same. It's the same A stuff. You just There's one more additive to get to the softer stuff. Exactly. Right. So we're still using the same resin so and this is kind of like the thing that i'm holding the soft product that louis and i are talking about is kind of similar to the um rubberized kind of gel coat that you would see on tool handles yeah yes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like maybe like some pliers or something it's kind of got that sort of pliability and softness and give to it it's a good reference because plasti dip 
You can buy them at Home Depot. You can dip your tools. Oh, see, there's a name for it. I didn't even know. Yeah. So it's similar to Plasti Dip. Plasti Dip. Right. There's also Flex Seal. You see the guy, oh, I'm going to build, I'm going to, there's a hole on the bottom of the boat. I'm going to skin it with this black tar. Yeah. There's materials out there that can work. Yeah. You know, but they're heavy. Some of them are expensive. I mean, and I did experiment with all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and those are some of the companies I contacted and I got different materials because they do make different uh, applications for different industries. Sure. Surfing is something they've never really explored. So the, 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 the interesting thing here is that, again, this seems like a process that, that just wouldn't make sense for glass houses to ch- change their all their tooling and everything they've ever done for the last 30 years for this new product. So this is something that you're just going to do on your own rather than try to like revolutionize surfboard manufacturing you're like you know what i'm just going to do these boards under the hayward brothers brand and and see how they go that yeah you're it's correct and um i'd like to add to that uh the the partnership we have which is great is that when they when they try to enter the space with this water-based resin you know trying to have the glass shops try it you mean bob and john when they came out for the boardroom show and they were trying to get people yes yeah um you know knowing our industry is they're very set in their ways, yeah. you know, and I, and I get that, you know, they're, they're, totally. they totally, they do it a certain way. But frankly, me as a consumer, I'm set in my ways. Like I love my poly board. Right. I've been riding them for 40 years. You know, there's, I'm kind of okay with it. Right. Exactly. And the, you know, a lot some of the conversations recently I've been having, and they go back to even, like I said, when I was doing it in the mid eighties is when epoxy came on, I remember riding epoxy and I didn't like it. It was very rigid. You do a flutter and you come off the top and as soon as you hit the flat water, I almost, I think I told you, I almost took out my ankle. It was just like a ping. It was like, boom, super rigid. It's like riding a table. And then polyester resin has like a give, you know, it's like a thud versus a ping. And then over time, you got like Javier, you know, down there at XTR, like they're, they're getting more flex in their epoxies and they're, you know, it's actually a more safer, I mean, you won't have as many VOCs, they call it, like a lot of fumes and all that. So everyone, I think the surfing industry as a whole, manufacturing wise, is looking for alternatives. Yeah. But you know, whether it's bioresin or all the vegetable, whatever they're doing on the resins, yeah. the costs are going to be a, a huge consi- you know, consideration. Right. I think I, for the most part, everyone wants to do something to help the environment, but it, can, is it affordable? And is it, is it something that actually you don't sacrifice performance, right? right. You look at all these different um, uh, uh, things that are contributed to uh, whether the performance or the material or the labor process. So I didn't want to reinvent it. I'm, I'm coming in going, look, when the, what those guys are trying to do at your show is show a safer, better way, or safer way. Let's put safer, not better, just a yeah. safer approach to use this water-based resin. Yeah. Well, to go out there on the road and hustle and, and make that happen, I, you know, first of all, getting a rep and then trying to get the, you know, second of all, trying to get people to believe in it is uh, it was going to be a long road for them. And they had a little bit of movement, right? Rusty yeah. was into it. I mean, yeah. uh, they saw the potential in it. Yeah. Um, Bill Johnson, of course, you know, and, and then some guys down in Oceanside, but. There was a couple hiccups they hit, some failures, if you will. Like the process wasn't really done the way John had intended, like trying to have it done. Like yeah. you have to follow this process, and it wasn't followed yeah. correctly, and yeah. uh, and hence the you know some of the the feedback was bad. Right. So since meeting them, so it was user a few, user error though rather could, than yeah. than the formulas. Yeah, and there was some belief. I mean, I think you know for the most part, people want guys that you know in the industry want to see a change now. Yeah. Um, when I when I met them, we've done a few tweaks. I don't want the guys to have to uh, reinvent the way that they lay up a board. Right now, 
the word is, and I've had some really good conversations, you know, when you had Global, right, burn up a couple of years ago. Or, yeah, Jeff's, Jeff's glass. Yeah, glass, horrible. Glass. Yeah. Nobody was hurt, thankfully. And, you know, that's not the first time I've seen something like that happen, Yeah, you know, and with acetone recyclers and whatnot. And, you know, of course, safety and all the regulations you're going to have here, sooner or later, I mean, we're already losing a lot to offshore manufacturing, internet, you know, everything's out of the U.S. Yeah. California is so gnarly, you yeah. know. And so I, one of the conversations I had was like, you know, they, they know what I'm working on. They meaning some of the glass shops down there that I've showed and that had actually, you know, uh, worked with some of this water-based stuff in the past. Yeah. They're asking me if it really works. I go, look, I'm not trying to sell you something. I have my own brand. Yeah. I'm stamping my name on it. It works. I'm going to let my product do the talking and we want to ride it, check it out. If you're interested in it, not only am I partners with these guys, but I'm going to distribute the resin. Right. I would love for you guys to try it and use it. Right. Um, and they're open to it. And one of the, the, a big part of this movement, Scott, is I have a, a, I'm passionate about this industry. And I know you are too, hence the Sacred Craft Show, the Boardroom Show. It's a, yeah. it's a lost art. It's becoming something that's going to, you know, I'm trying to help these yeah. guys, friends, keep these glass shops open right. here. And I'd like to see them actually be able to produce boards here in the U.S. safer, with better cost product. Effective, cost so effective. They're not missing a beat. Maybe make a little more on their margins. We're not out there trying Maybe to that's, gouge. That's okay. I think so too. And, um, and you know, at the end of every day and every work week is maybe we have a few more glass shops that open up. Maybe some people so that, this, you know, so this do stuff, boards out of their house. This you know? stuff might be um, a little bit more regulation friendly regarding the state of California. Not just little. A lot. That I, I have two gallons being shipped to my house. It's probably on my doorstep. Right. No hazard. No hazardous material on there. They mm-hmm. ship it direct front to my house, and which I never effective. could do. And so it's just a matter mm-hmm. of education at this point and really fiscal education. Like if you can mm-hmm. explain to the glass houses that you're making a great product, this, you know, you're not losing anything and you're gaining um, margin. Yeah, you're gaining it's margin. Kind of a no-brainer. And you're everyone wants to help the, our environment, yeah. right? Our carbon footprint. I mean, I, I'm not, that's one thing about my new brand. I'm not out there. I'm not going to tout this. I'm not even really advertising this. Yeah. You know, it'll be on my site once I get it launched. I will talk about the product, but I'm not going out there waving the flag that yeah. I'm environmentally conscious and, you know, all this stuff. I, yeah. I'm i just going to have the product go out there, speak for itself. You're going to be riding them. Feedback is crucial, yeah. but I'm just going to keep improving on this product. And we've already got a few other things in the works. I think it's a killer little thing. I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited about every friggin' surfboard I've ever <laughs> ordered, but yeah. I'm kind of excited because I am going to Indo. It might be a fun board to bring to Indo. Maybe. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. because of the, the dingage, you know, like the traveling. Like you can just kind of throw this board around a little bit. I mean, it's, you, know, you can't can. ding it. Well, well, yeah, a closed cell phone. Yeah. So if you get a hole in it, it's not, it's not a big deal. Water, yeah. You just shove some wax in it like we used to do when we were kids, right? <laughs> and you literally could do what that. What do you mean kids? I, I still do that. <laughs> and then at the same time, you're right. It's something that does get bounced around. And mind you, I showed you the bumper on my tails, right? So I've, on the boards, I'm thinking long-term rental. I want product that lasts. Yeah. Um, when you look at the surf park space right now, with there's a, there's a ton of opportunity not just with river surfing that's just popping off you got the surf parks you've got obviously surfing just in the ocean you got wake surfing 
um, the tail of each of my boards, I'm doing an extra layer. And I showed you I could just literally bounce it off the ground yeah. because that's one of the first things to go when people put their boards on their tail, not yeah. the nose, it's the tail, and it just shatters. This resin has incredible, like, it's just not just like a rubber. Yeah. It bounces. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying someone can just smash a tail in because you no. probably could. Yeah. But it has a lot of forgiveness to it. And that's another thing, trying to help the lifespan of the board. Well, this is pretty cool, man. I'm I'm stoked on this. And I, I know that Thank you. Um, we kind of went into the weeds a little bit. You kind of <laughs> have to when you're talking. Yeah. But and, it's, and sometimes it doesn't always translate in the, in the podcast format. But I think we did okay explaining it. And, I think so, too. And I'm excited to see the boards and to get to see you put the product out into the public sphere and, and see how it, it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, see you get some good feedback and watch you prosper and become – you're already successful. Oh, man. You're a, you're a success in my eyes. That's a huge compliment, yeah, man. Well, Thank if you. you're helping your, your stepfather through his cancer, that's, that's, like, that's success, dude. That's major. I'll tell you, yeah, that, that circles back to the gift, you know. I got my mother-in-law battling dementia for 10 years. Our, our house is like a, a loony I might need house. to come by there. You might, I might be living there pretty soon the way I'm going. Well, it's, it's been pretty crazy, but I, I, I would like to add in, I mean, I'm just grateful, again, to you and I, we got such a history together, you yeah. know, um, and at your show, I feel, you know, we did have a discussion whether or not I should be at the show. Yeah. I plan on being there. Yeah. And if this thing, this interview comes out prior to that and anyone's listening, well, I'll have be samples. This will a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. I'll have my boards there, you know, yeah. and people can actually, from listening to this, can come up and feel and All touch right. the boards and then they'll they, get it. I'm, you should you know. definitely come to the boardroom show and check out Louie's boards and check out this process and check out yeah. how... How and you'll understand why I'm kind of excited about it. Unreal. Well, yeah. thanks so much. I'm I'm pumped on it, and we'll have some some boards that people will definitely be tripping out on. I'll probably make a bunch of these. Actually, these are kind of cool. It's one of my marketing pieces. Yeah, you know, keychain or something. Keychain, you know? exactly. Right. Yeah, have yeah. the H stamped in there, and I, I don't know. I carry around the full size one because I, yeah. I, I it's you know how they have those little stress ball things. You yeah. kind of this I've is what it reminds me of. <laughs> I've been st- I broke. I, 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 well, you know what those I got too are? much tea in those me. are my razor blades. Like when I scraped them off the glass, but I got some whole ones that you saw before. Yeah, but they're kind of neat. I probably have a bunch of those that people can just kind of leave with. You know, I can and- see that as a marketing <laughs> tool for you. I can see you're having an imprint on her with name and number. Thank you. And there's another thing we'll probably be in another interview with that yeah. is I think I talked to you about, you know, for the uh, yeah. surf parks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know if you want to go there. Do you want to go there? How let's about- Let's just say that there's applications for this rubberized resin yeah. that goes way beyond surfboards. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. So. All right. Well, Louis right. Hayward, Hayward Brothers Surfboards. Um Buddy, thanks so much for being on the Boardroom Podcast. My pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me.
Hey, if you've been enjoying the Boardroom Podcast, you can certainly donate to the cause and we won't mind. Consider pitching in $5 recurring every month. Keep the show going. And of course, we'd all really appreciate your help. Go to boardroomshow.com, click on podcasts, and you should see a donate button somewhere on the right-hand side of the page.